This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. The views conveyed by the guests on this program do not necessarily represent the views of the host or owners of the Doggy Diva Show and do not necessarily constitute endorsement of products. Medical information shared by the guests on this program are those of the guests and are for informational purposes only. They should not replace the medical advice of your veterinarian. Hi, this is Susan Marie from the Doggy Diva Show. This week, celebrating Halloween with your pets and indoor-outdoor pet health and safety. That's what's on our show this week. Let's get started. Come here, babies. It's time for a treat, the Doggy Diva Show. Here's national award-winning author and animal advocate, Susan Marie. Hi, welcome to the Doggy Diva Show, the show for animal lovers. I'm your host, Susan Marie, and as always, I'm joined by my canine co-hosts, the Doggy Divas themselves. Thank you for joining us today as we bring you the experts in the pet and animal world right to you. Contact us at thedoggydiva.com. That's the D-O-G-G-Y-D-I-V-A.com. We love hearing from you. So go grab a cup of coffee and your pet's favorite treat, and we'll be back in just a moment. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Doggy Diva Show. Monica Layton, president of Professional Pet Sitting, is here with us with our pet tip of the week. And Monica, it's coming up, one of my favorite holidays, because I love to dress my pets up, the ones that like to dress up. And mm-hmm. But there's so much that goes into it. We want to make sure that they're safe. We want to make sure they're comfortable. We want to make sure that it's a healthy when we I take my trick-or-treating. And if you do things like that and we go to the little Halloween parties around because we're in, as you know, we're in a very pet-friendly area where we do a lot of stuff together. So for those people that have their pets and they want to celebrate Halloween safely, do you have some helpful tips for us? I do. I do. So Halloween has got to be one of my favorite holidays. I mean, Halloween and Christmas by far top two absolute favorites. There's nothing more fun than like decorating and, you know, Halloween parties and bobbing for apples and trick-or-treating and dressing up and just, you know, being something different for a night. And of course, you know, we want to have our pets with us and enjoying all the fun and excitement. I mean, there's nothing cuter than, you know, a little dog walking by all dressed up like something exciting or fun. It's just fantastic. I mean, my guys, I remember a couple of years ago, Haley was one of the Ghostbusters. And then two of our other dogs were Ghostbusters with her. And then Mimer <laughs> and a Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. <laughs> That's so funny. I love that stuff. I have to kind of do the whole thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yours, was, yeah. yours are very theme oriented. Yes, yes. And the little white poodle made the best Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. <laughs> 
but she was a hefty girl, you know, between her natural physique <laughs> and the puffy outfit, she, she pulled it off great. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, I have to say the proton pack, you know, the little, the little cords on the proton packs to the wand, they could cause some problems. <laughs> I always tell people, I'm like, if you're putting costumes on, try them on before you go out. Because had we not done that, we noticed, you know, this could be a tripping hazard or, you know, oh, this piece of the costume is a little loose. So you definitely want to try things on. Make sure your pet can walk. You know, if you have one of those dogs that you put something on her and they automatically freeze like they're, you know, frozen and refuse to move a muscle, then they might be one that prefers to um, go au naturel to the events. <laughs> That's, I have I have one nudist. I have Coco. Coco's a nudist. She like she goes totally au naturel. I might be able to get a bandana on her if she's in the mood. But my yeah. others, they love to dress up. But um, yeah, we have one that's like that too. You know, making sure that they're comfortable is the main key because you do not want to, you know, distract yourself from the trick-or-treating and candy goodness to, um, you know, stop every two minutes and try to buckle a costume back up or, you know, God forbid, like, you know, they trip over something and get hurt, you know, cause an issue. You want to have a fun, enjoyable night. So definitely trying that on beforehand, making sure and a lot of things to check with costumes too, depending on, you know, what they're dressing up as or what your theme is for the year. But, um, you know, making sure the neck area, the underarms, under the legs, those are all areas that can get snug for certain breeds. You know, a lot of the costumes are kind of like a one size fits all up to a certain weight size. But, you know, you can have some breeds, you know, like my little pug or, you know, Frenchies sometimes I have the little broader chest or just, you know, different breeds have different kind of builds. Mm -hmm. So um, something that, you know, may fit a dog of the same size just fine, you know, in the neck and underarm area may not work for certain breeds of the same height and weight. So definitely checking all that again, making sure there's no tripping hazards. Also, you know, things kind of walk like move when they walk, you know, just like us, you know, you're you're walking around and, you know, the pants can rub or, you know, things can kind of move sideways and slide. So making sure that there's nothing that, you know, if the costume is kind of moving and adjusting when they're walking, nothing that's going to irritate the skin, cause any rashes or anything that's tight that's going to cause an issue or rubbing or discomfort um, when they are, you know, walking around in it um, is always definitely really good to look for as well. So trying out those costumes before they go, it's a perfect time to run around the house and do like a pregame for the holiday activities, <laughs> snap a couple pictures beforehand so you're all ready and you don't have to worry about that the night of. But those are all things that'll really, you know, make wearing a costume for the pets a lot easier and enjoyable. And another thing we would like to do for years, so as, you know, my child got a little older, trick-or-treating with mom wasn't as cool as it used to be. <laughs> it got to the point where she liked to go with a lot of friends and, you know, the girls and I, because, you know, we're kind of an all-girl household here with all of our four-legged and two-legged ladies. <laughs> um, but the girls and I would like to greet the trick-or-treaters and hand out candy. It was a great way to see all the cute little kids come to the door. 
in all their costumes, thoroughly enjoy it. So the girls and I, you know, the girls would have their little costumes on. And what I did was I put, you know, a little baby gate just around the front portion of the door. So that way, when they trick or treated, you know, I could easily get through it. But then you don't have anybody scurrying out the door while you're uh, enjoying, you know, seeing all the little kids or letting, you know, letting little Susie pick, you know, which candy she wants, because you know, that's a very hard decision. If there's that's a very hard decision. Do you want the Rollos? Do you want the Tootsie Roll? Do you want... It's difficult for me and I'm giving it out. I'm like, well, I think is. I'll have that's one of these. You can have one of those. And then, of course, if you have a party animal in your house who wants to make the mad dash to go, good, she's distracted. I'm out of here. And then they go running by you out the door. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's why I always like, you know, the little baby gates there. That way there's the little extra protection. But, you know, something in general just to kind of, you know, blockade and make sure that no kitties and no doggies are kind of like making the mad dash to see what kind of treats they can get out in their mm-hmm. adventures. And again, if you are trick-or-treating and going out, you know, not only checking the fit of the costumes and making sure that the comfortable portion is covered, but also remember your safety portion. I always tell, you know, people be cautious. You know, it does get dark, you know, something reflective, you know, carry a little light on your leash. If you use a retractable lead, your pet has the ability to get, you know, a ways ahead of you. And even though you may be carrying something, they may not always see your pet who is a distance in front of you if you're using that kind of leash. So, you know, having something on the pet that's reflective, pets are low to the ground. You got to think if somebody's driving, their eyes see people height a lot quicker than they do a small animal on the road. Usually it's right till they're, you know, pretty close on to it that they're yeah. easily. So, you know, be, being, being very cautious in regards to, you know, being out there at night and having, you know, the pet be visible. Yeah. Another thing, of course, is after we go out and get all of our goodies, it's making sure that our pets are not getting into them. Things like... Um, the things that are good for us are bad <laughs> for them. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, being cautious with the raisinets. I think they have those like chunky bars that have like the raisins and the nuts in them. Always being cautious, you know, grapes and raisins are toxic to pets. Um, nothing with macadamia nuts, any candies like that. And of course, our chocolates. Chocolates... And a lot of people don't understand because dark chocolate typically is typically healthier than a milk chocolate when it comes to people. For pets, it's the actual opposite. Dark chocolate has more cocoa, which is toxic to pets. So the higher strength of that in the dark chocolate can actually be more of a toxin for our pets. Um, So definitely being careful about the chocolate. ASPCA has an app that you can download that has a pet poison component to that app. And in there, they actually have a chocolate guide in there. So you can actually type in your pet's weight. And if your pet does get into chocolate, like how much they consumed, and they'll tell you what symptoms to look for as far as toxicity. So it's a nice like little calculator function for chocolate. And, you know, they have information on there on other, you know, toxins as well. But um, the ASPCA app was the only one that I've seen so far that actually had that little chocolate calculator. I mean, I'm assuming because 
people have gotten a whole lot of chocolate intoxication calls over the year. Mm. So, so they, uh, sure. they felt that they needed a chocolate calculator. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I feel like I need a chocolate calculator. I was calculator just going to say, I need a holiday. chocolate calculator. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, definitely making sure that the things that our pets should not be eating are kept away. Um, they're not getting into any of that will make the day a lot more enjoyable. <laughs> so again, you know, watching our costumes, being safe out in the dark, making sure we do not have any escape artists at the door, you know, and watching what they eat. Those are the main things to have a really, really good Halloween. Well, Monica, as always, thank you for these great tips. And we all wish you all a very happy Halloween and a safe one. So uh, make sure with all of these tips, I think that Monica, we're going to be able to eat, whether we're going out or we're staying in, we're going to have a safe and happy Halloween. So I thank you very much. Thank you. Have a great week. You too. We'll be back in just a moment. Hello, everyone. Susan Marie here to tell you about the award-winning three-book series, The Doggy Diva Diaries. It is a trilogy of heartwarming and inspirational stories about Miss Olive, a lonely little rescue pup, hoping to find her forever family and friends and a life filled with love. In this series, Miss Olive learns that it doesn't matter what you look like on the outside, it's the kindness and love you have on the inside that counts. Available at Amazon. Barnes and Noble, and other online booksellers. And please visit us at thedoggydiva.com for more information. Thank you, everyone. Coming up, have you thought about how to keep your homes healthy for your pets? We've got some answers. Stay with us. Molly, here's your dinner. <coughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Doggy Diva Show. Although it may not be something we consciously think about every day, taking steps to keep our homes and yards healthy and safe for our pets is so very important. And with us today to share some valuable and helpful tips on what she does as a very caring pet parent to keep her home and yard healthy for her three pups is Colleen Gray. Hey, Colleen, welcome back. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to be here. So happy to have you here. And you and I talk about this all the time. We go back and forth with ideas or suggestions because, you know, we're both kind of green that way. And we've talked about this. We share ideas. And I have to tell you, it can become overwhelming. So, So can you share some of your thoughts with the listeners on keeping our homes healthy and yards healthy for our pets? Yes, absolutely. Happy to share some ideas. So we could talk for hours, probably 
days about we have (laughs) we have we research things and share tips and ideas about ways to keep our homes and yards safe for our pets but today i've kind of highlighted seven easy things that we can do to get started so the seven quick topics we're going to touch on the first is using safe cleaning products the second is indoor outdoor plant safety The third is pet bowls and fresh water. The fourth is vacuuming frequently. The fifth is washing and kind of taking care of your pet's bed. The sixth is yard greenness and cleanliness. And the seventh is having a pet first aid kit on hand. Those are really important tips. Can you tell us about the importance of using safe cleaning products and give us a couple of recommendations? Yes, I'd be happy to. So most brand name all-purpose cleaners, bleach, dish soaps contain hazardous materials. They can cause respiratory problems, damage the nervous system, cause diarrhea, dizziness, kidney and liver damage, as well as cancer. Safe, effective alternatives are close at hand and most are available at your local grocery store and others may be found only in health food or specialty stores. But you can actually make your own cleaning products that are safe and keep your home sparkly clean. So I'm going to share some kind of key ingredients that you can pick up. Most of these are available, again, uh, at the grocery store or in your local health food store. And you can Google recipes on how to make the specific cleaning solutions. But the four main ingredients that are very, very effective in natural cleaning supplies are um, the first is white vinegar, which is used in many formulations to clean and disinfect. The second is baking soda. It can be mixed with water and used to scour tubs and sinks. It can also be sprinkled over carpets to remove odors. The third is borax, which is great for strengthening cleaning power and freshening your carpet. And the fourth is washing soda and mild soap flakes, which can be combined to make your own laundry powder. So if, as I mentioned, if you don't have the time to create your own home cleaning products, there are several companies now offering environmentally friendly, non-toxic pre-made cleaning products. Your local health food store, like here in San Diego, we have Sprouts and Trader Joe's, um, have items like 7th Generation, eCover, Life Tree, and Naturally Yours. So you can check your local health food store. And again, as I mentioned, several of these are available even in your local grocery store. That's awesome. Now, how important is awareness in preventing potential health issues for those of us who have indoor and outdoor plants? Yes. So prevention is the best approach. So it's good to be organized, well-informed, and ready to respond to emergencies but preventing them in the first place is the best approach. So study the plants in your house and in your yard so you know which are potentially dangerous. It's really surprising how many common plants that we see every single day that are really, really dangerous to our pets. We'll go through a list of particularly uh, hazardous plants, but with your house plants, move your toxic house plants out of your dog's reach. If a plant is irresistible to your dog, uh, use a pet gate or other obstacle from reaching it. If that doesn't work, consider rehoming the plant. And that really goes for indoor and outdoor plants. 
And as far as being extremely safe, um, the safest place for puppies and adolescent dogs when no one is home and where there may be potential uh, toxic houseplants is in a crate or in a well-secured room just for their own safety to just make double sure that they don't get into the plants that can really hurt them. That makes so much sense. What are some toxic plants that we should be aware of? So as I had mentioned, there are so many toxic plants that we come in contact with every day. I check with your veterinarian for the most comprehensive list of indoor and outdoor plants that are toxic. The list is very, very extensive. But these specific plants that I'm going to mention are of greatest concern because they can cause a serious reaction, even if only in small amounts. So if your pet just takes a nibble out of any of these plants, it can be, there can be really dire circumst- uh, consequences. So the first are the oleander, the oleander branches, leaves, and flowers. Next are azaleas and rhododendrons, which we see all the time. Um, sago palms. So sago palms uh, contain a toxin which is so harmful that any part of the plant, including a single seed, can actually cause death. That was really surprising to me. I realized that, gosh, probably a decade ago and had a sago palm in my backyard and immediately moved it to an area where the pets couldn't access it. The next uh, are the autumn crocus. Also daffodils, tulips, hyacinth, gladiolus, and amaryllis bulbs flowers and leaves. So a lot of times in the spring when these beautiful flowers are are growing, it can be really, really dangerous to our pets. Also mushrooms. Uh, Mushrooms are a seasonal problem in some areas. And while most of the world's 10,000 mushroom species are harmless to dogs, some wild mushrooms can be fatal even in small amounts. So be really, really careful with mushrooms. Also holly leaves, lily of the valley, elephant ear, golden pothos, English ivy, philodendron, I have so many philodendron, calla lilies, peace lilies, and dumb cane, and finally, milkweed, castor bean, foxglove, and cyclamen. You know, you and I had talked about the milkweed before, and neither of us were aware of it, and I have a lot of it around for my butterflies, because I have like a little butterfly garden, but I have it all fenced off so the girls can't get into it but i don't i don't know if a lot of people i mean there are so many on this list that i was not aware of and i live in florida and we have fauna and flora everywhere so this is really really valuable to um to know all this information and colleen what should we do if our pups eat a toxic plant Yes. So according to the AKC, if you suspect your dog has eaten anything toxic, but specifically plants, follow these steps. So the first thing is contact your vet or the pet poison helpline. And that number is 855-764-7661. You can Google that as well um, for accurate advice. You may want to have that number handy so that So in the case of emergency that you'll have it, uh, you can call it right away. The second is to try to identify the plant by taking a sample, a photo, or by collecting the dog's vomit to place in a bag. The third thing is when you reach the vet or the helpline, provide as much information as possible, including the suspected plant and the time of ingestion, your dog's weight, and any symptoms your dog is showing. So as soon as you see that there's something going on, 
write these things down and immediately get on the phone with an entity that can help. The fourth is under no circumstances should you induce vomiting unless instructed to do so by the vet. Specific plant poisons require specific treatments and vomiting can make some cases worse. That was really surprising to Mm. me because I always think of inducing vomiting as is a first thing that you should do, but that was very that was very important to to know. And also, don't fall for the myth that dogs instinctively avoid dangerous plants. So while it's sometimes true of animals in the wild, dogs have no ability to distinguish between safe and unsafe plants. So it's up to us to keep them safe. And who knows what they're going to be attracted to. It could be in your yard. It could also be in a walk. It could be in your neighbor's yard. It could be in a park. So always be aware. Now, you know, we're talking about some of the the cleaning solutions and things such as that. How important is it to wash our food and water bowls daily? Yes. So this is something that's a very easy thing to do and can really, really help with health and safety for our pets. So you want to wash your food and water bowls daily for your pets. So washing your dog's food and water bowls with soap and hot water will kill any harmful bacteria that may attempt to grow there. If you feed your dog raw meat, it is imperative that you wash his bowls well daily even if they look clean. Pathogenic bacteria present on raw meat can quickly reproduce to harmful levels at room temperature. So hot, soapy water every day, super quick, but it's it's very effective. And in terms of which bowls are best for your pets, this was also something that was surprising to me as I learned this several years ago. So the best food and water bowls are made of stainless steel. We see all kinds of bowls at the pet store, but Uh, Ceramic bowls can be dangerous as some of the decorative ceramics allow chemicals to leach into the food and water. Also, plastic bowls may contain carcinogenic substances and can harbor bacteria. So stick with stainless steel. And finally, always provide fresh, clean water. So it's not enough for dogs to have a bowl full of water at their disposal at all times. They should have a clean bowl full of fresh, pure water at their constant disposal. At least two or three times a day, dump out the water in your dog's bowl. You can actually use that water to water up a plant so you don't have to waste it and refill it with fresh water. As mentioned, once a day, wash the bowl out with hot soapy water. So just make sure they always have very, very fresh water that's been uh, replaced at least a couple times a day. That's so helpful and that's so, it's so great and preventive to make sure that the bowls are clean, you're getting the right bowls, and to make sure that the water is refilled and fresh. Now, for those of us that are pet parents, we have fur everywhere. I'm speaking on behalf of my house. So how important is it to vacuum frequently and how to handle it once it gets into the bag? How would it, What's the best thing to do? Yes. So all of us pet parents understand the, <laughs> the value of a really, really great vacuum. I have three dogs that shed profusely, so I'm a, I'm, I'm a regular vacuumer. Never seems like it's enough, but a powerful vacuum is a pet owner's best friend. A model with strong suction and multiple attachments can not only help you keep the sofa rug and your clothes dog hair free, but also prevent fleas from completing their life cycle in your home. So fleas spend only a portion of their time on the dog and their eggs and larvae are likely to be found in any area where the dog lives. 
So the best way to remove the eggs opportunities to develop is to remove the eggs and your vacuum will be your most valuable tool in the flea war. Vacuum all the areas that your pet uses frequency at least every two to three days and then change the vacuum bags frequently and seal the bag's contents safely in a plastic bag before disposing. So empty the bag or empty the the receptacle if you have a bag-free vacuum or if you do have a vacuum cleaner bag. In both of those cases, just make sure to seal it up really well before you take it out to the trash. That's so important because you never know what's living in there. Now, I am obsessive about this. How often should we be washing our pet's bed and their bedding? The short answer is wash their bedding as frequently as possible. And this kind of goes back to the the flea situation and and just kind of keeping everything generally clean and flea free. So flea eggs and developing flea larvae cannot survive getting wet. We can presume that any dog who has fleas will have flea eggs in his bed since fleas usually lay their eggs off the dog. So if fleas are a problem in your neck of the woods, and it really even even seasonally, they are typically in, in most areas of the United States, wash their bedding as frequently as possible. It's not necessary to use bleach or insecticidal or detergent soaps, all of which can irritate the dog's skin. Plain water will kill the eggs and larvae. And if you can't wash the dog's entire bed, at least wash the floor underneath and the bed as often as you can. Purchase several covers or sheets or towels for the bed and rotate them in and out of the wash. I have probably 20 little blankets that I kind of rotate through all of my dog beds. And and like you, I'm a bit obsessive about, about keeping those clean. So the blankets or the towels or the sheets that you have over them and then also cleaning under them is uh, is super important and then wash the actual bed as often as you can as well it was funny when you came to visit me recently colleen lives in san diego i live in florida <laughs> i took you into the laundry room it looked like a store it like a warehouse for beds i have so many beds so many blankets so many little extra cushions it's like i am obsessive about it So I'm so glad you shared that with the listeners because it's so important. And you and I also talk about our outdoor yards because our pets spend a lot of time outdoors. We are very blessed to be in areas that is it's warm and it's pleasant a lot. And we're also very green in the way we take care of our yards. So can you um, share some of the important key points in uh, keeping our yards green and the importance of it? Absolutely. So a couple of things that I wanted to touch on. The first is don't use pesticides in your yard ever. That's kind of a rule of thumb. So these chemicals can cause every sort of illness known to man and dog. And there are plenty of safe organic compounds that can help you control pests and keep your lawn and garden healthy without pesticides. So, you know, consult your local garden center, uh, you know, a trusted professional, and just make sure to not use pesticides and use safe natural alternatives. There's so many of them on the market right now. And then the other item is yard cleanliness. So in short, pick up pet waste daily. So solid pet waste attracts flies and can spread tapeworms, hookworms, and roundworms. Ideally, pick up your dog's feces daily. 
This keeps your yard clean, prevents worms, and, del- and delays for emergency shoe cleaning. I actually used to do kind of a, a run through in my yard every couple of days. And over the years, I have just realized immediately we shoot to pick up everything. So as soon as it hits the ground, it's in our little, we have a little receptacle that we, we take out weekly. Um, but we found that just staying on top of it really keeps the yard nice and clean and safe for the dogs. Absolutely. That's so important. And You know, we never want to think about this, but we do need this, a first aid kit for our pets. Can you share some tips on what we need in our pets' first aid kits? Yes. So as you plan and prepare your dog's daily meals and training, advanced planning and preparation for the unthinkable accident may help save your dog's life during the critical time between the beginning of the emergency and access to veterinary care. The time to plan is before your dog is involved in an accident. So if you can start working on this, even today, that can really make a difference. So here are some items. I have 12 items that you can uh, you can use to gather up and to have a, a good, effective first aid kit. So the first is medical documentation. So your dog's license vaccination records, medical records, veterinarian contact information, along with our own contact information can help in an emergency, especially when the details are up to date and in one place. That makes a lot of sense. I try to keep mine in a binder and actually even condense down in a smaller and a smaller version um, would even be more helpful. So that first item is your pet's medical documentation. The second item, um, towels and blankets. The third are bandages. The fourth are tools. The fifth is hydrogen peroxide. The sixth is a cleanser. Seventh is antibiotic ointment. Eighth is striptic powder. Nine is bottled water. The 10th item is pet wipes. The 11th item is cold packs, and the 12th item is a first aid guide. There are also some really good options for ready-made first aid kits on Chewy, Amazon, and other pet-related websites. So again, it's something maybe you should review with your veterinarian, the specific types of things that you should have in your first aid kit in case your pet has special needs. But this is just kind of a an overall, the items that you can have Um, just sort of generally to have a safe, effective first aid kit in your home and ready to go. This is great information. Now, before we go, I can't even think we've covered so much, and I think this is so helpful for pet parents. Is there anything else that you can think of that we might not have covered for the um, pet parents out there to keep their homes healthy and safe for their pets? As we had mentioned, prevention is the key here. So just kind of look around, look for safety hazards, be prepared in the case of an emergency. And also when the emergency happens, just hopefully it won't happen, but if it does happen, just have the information and resources at your fingertips so that you're you're able to take care of things immediately and potentially save your pet's life. That's so important. Colleen, thank you so much for sharing these helpful tips for a happy, healthy home for our pets. And as a pet parent, we want to make sure that we keep our pets safe, healthy, and happy. And this is such great information, very helpful. And again, I thank you so very much. This has been very helpful and very informative. And even I learned more today. So thank you very much. Thank you. It was my pleasure. 
We'll be back in just a moment. Pet Life Radio, the number one pet radio network on the planet, joins forces with iHeartRadio to put the power of your pets in your pocket. Awesome. Download the iHeartRadio app and rock Pet Life Radio on your phone, on your tablet, on your Xbox, in your car. Pet talk, pet tunes, and fun pet times. Pet Life Radio and iHeartRadio. Positively possum. We would like to thank our guests this week. And also, as our doggy divas always say, please love your pets because they love you unconditionally. And please remember to adopt, foster, spay, neuter, and microchip. And as always, please have a great Diva Week, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Doggy Diva Show. To find out more about Susan Marie and the Doggy Divas, visit them at their website, thedoggydiva.com, and on Facebook at The Doggy Diva Show. Tell your fellow pet parents about it. We look forward to having you join us again for the next episode. See you soon. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.